0: Are you aware there are 59 occurrences of the phrase one another in the New Testament? We're beginning a new series today where we will look closely at five of these commands. Care for one another. Be united with one another. Accept one another. Carry each other's burdens. Bear with one another. Welcome to On Mission, the preaching ministry of Edgewood Baptist Church in Rock Island. When we gather together, we meet on 38th Street, and when we're scattered, we strive to live on mission all over the Quad Cities area. Let's listen now to part one of a message called, Care for One Another.
1: Are you aware that the Bible has this phrase, one another, 59 different times? Showing how God expects us to behave toward other believers. In fact, it's impossible to live this out unless we're in community with other Christians. Let me say it this way. In a culture filled with vitriol and anger, Christ followers are to live and love like Jesus. So today we're beginning a brand new series. We're calling it simply One Another. Here's where we're headed for the next five weeks leading right up to Easter weekend. This morning, our topic is care for one another, then be united with one another, accept one another, carry each other's burdens, and finally, bear with one another. Interestingly, in the book of Romans, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians and Colossians, Paul makes over 30 references to the local church functioning like a human body. And just as our complex and intricate bodies need care and attention, so too the church can only be healthy and can only experience growth as we keep everything in balance and properly exercised. See, church ministry is always multidimensional, and so we must strive to keep our four focus areas in equilibrium as we strive to make disciples who make disciples. And we do that by gathering, by growing, by giving And by going with the gospel, all for the glory of God. In other words, our message must remain biblical. Our mission must reflect balance. And our ministry must rely on the body. Now, in honor of God's word, would you stand? And We're going to read a section from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to invite you to read it with me. Beginning in verse 14. Let's just take a pause and... And realize and remember what we're doing here. This is God's living and active word, inspired, inerrant, authoritative. This is what God has for us today, so let's read it. Let's allow it to go in through our ears, to filter down inside, into our heart area, and most importantly there, our will, that we might engage with the Holy Spirit as he prompts us to apply what we're going to learn together today. Let's read together. so that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So God, now help us to understand, to interpret correctly, and then to apply that we would fight the temptation to hear your word only. We don't want to stop there. We certainly want to hear it. Lord, we want to be people who do it. And so, Holy Spirit, have your way with each of us now. Any sin that um, we've left unconfessed, Lord, would you prompt us to confess that, that we might be clear and clean vessels before you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Here's where we're headed today. God has placed you to live out your purpose in this place all for his pleasure. And when you came in, you were handed a puzzle piece to serve as a reminder that you are a valuable part of God's picture for this church. We're in this together. Do you know every snapshot of the church in the New Testament is a group picture? Well, some background. The Apostle Paul was in Corinth for 18 months, evangelizing, discipling, equipping, training, rebuking. And he spent a year and a half there. And he worked through many of the problems that were plaguing this new church. After he left, some more problems came up and Paul heard about it. So he wrote two letters to them. This is the first letter, the letter called 1 Corinthians. And it's in this setting... And in this section where he's talking about spiritual gifts, chapters 12, 13, and 14, that he addresses their primary problem, and that's pride. And his main point is this. Everyone is like a piece of the puzzle. We're linked together because we're to do life together. We're to care for one another. And so let's draw some principles right from this passage. Principle number one, each piece is distinct and yet united with the whole. Though we are one, we're also unique. Look at verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. The word many carries the idea of abundance or much. New American Standard puts it like this, for the body is not one part, but many. New Living Translation, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. So we could say it like this, unity is good and diversity is good. If unity is emphasized at the expense of diversity, we have uniformity. That is not good. If diversity is emphasized at the expense of unity, we have anarchy. That is not good either. We need to celebrate unity without demanding uniformity. Unity and diversity. Diversity in unity. On the first day of school, a first grader went to her newly integrated school. This was at the height of the segregation storm. And when she came home, her mother anxiously wondered how the day was for her little girl. And so she asked her how everything went. The little girl said, oh, mommy, do you know what happened? A little black girl sat next to me. Well, the mother, fearing her daughter, was traumatized by this experience, asked her how she got through the day. The daughter smiled and simply responded, we were both so scared that we held hands all day long. Isn't it wonderful how young children are able to see past the categories that we put up? How they're able to see past how we are different and they allow the ways that we are the same to draw us together. Friends, write this down. God dreams of a church where black and white, Hispanic and Asian, rich and poor, farmer and business person, couple and single, married and divorced, widow and widower, cop and convict, student and senior citizen, reformed prostitute, rambunctious preteen, former addict, faithful member, lifelong saint, and new believer can all join hands and celebrate our design diversity within on fettered unity. Ephesians 4.25 says, for we are members of one another. So just as our human bodies are one unit made up of many individual parts, so too the body of Christ is one entity with a plethora of different pieces. So God has placed you to live out your purpose in this place All for his pleasure. Principle number two each piece is indispensable. No one is inferior. So, this section, Paul's addressing those of us who think, man, I'm not as good as someone else. Or maybe you're even thinking something like this God's not given me any kind of gifts, I don't have any kind of abilities. So, you just, you're kind of stuck because you feel inferior. Verse 15, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Every part of the human body is designed to work in sync with every other part of the body. A foot may feel less important than a hand, the ear, May feel mediocre compared to an eye. But Paul's establishing the truth that everyone is valuable and everyone is necessary. That phrase, not make it any less a part of the body, would you observe, is used twice. Why? To emphasize that no one should have a sense of inferiority or feel like they don't matter. I like how one pastor captures this. The foot is jealous of the hand because he's covetous of the hand's prominence. The hand is in the public. It's in the limelight, but the foot is in confinement inside a shoe. (laughs) Yet the body would be in bad shape without a foot. Did you know that we use more than 200 different muscles to walk? Well, similarly, the ear feels inferior to the eye. The eye is out front, whereas the ear is on the side. No one ever talks about the ears. I mean, lovers look into each other's eyes. They don't look into each other's ears. (laughs) Well, in order to make his point... Paul pictures an absurd scenario. Check out verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? I mean, it'd be pretty gross if I'm looking out and I look at you and you're just this big eyeball sitting in this chair. So I'm looking out, I see a bunch of eyes staring back at me. I mean, you could see everything, but you'd see, but you'd hear nothing. Plus, you'd get stuff in your eye all the time as you rolled around the house. It would be equally eerie if each of us were ears. Did you see what I did? So, (laughs) it didn't work, the other two services, but I I thought I'd try it again. You guys get more sleep than the 9 o'clock service, so... So the smaller pieces in God's puzzle called the church are just as important as the more visible ones. No one is inferior. Everyone is indispensable. This church will not function as God intends if you and I don't fulfill our individual roles because God has placed you to live out your purpose in this place for his pleasure. Principle number three, each piece is divinely designed and perfectly placed in the body. Now, when we fully grasp this truth, we'll experience freedom and joy like we never have had before. God made you just the way He wanted you. You've been designed to reflect His purposes, you've been shaped for spiritual significance. Now, this isn't the case for all puzzle factories, but I'm told the high-end, high-quality puzzle factories, when they punch out puzzle pieces, no piece is exactly the same as any other. Your piece has a place in the puzzle called the church. Observe verse 18, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. The word arrange means to set to be perfectly placed. But this same word is used in John 15:16. We referenced it last weekend. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. <laughs> You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. You are part of God's sovereign placement in the body of Christ. Verse 18 says, each one of them. So no matter how you feel, you are not exempt from God's exhilarating exhibition of his glory in the church. You're not decued because of something you've done. Or how inadequate you may feel. Because you've been designed on purpose, you have a purpose. And that purpose is to find your place which is shaped exactly like your piece of the puzzle. And once you discover your place, it's time to plug in to the greatest adventure ever. God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them as he chose. That phrase means to delight in. Do you know God delights in you? Some of you are like, no, he doesn't. Yes, he does. It gives God great pleasure to purposely give you purpose. Well, you might need to reflect on a verse to really get this to settle in. Zephaniah 3.17. This is written to Israel. We're involved in idol worship. Turn their backs on God. Listen to what God says. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you. You ever feel anxious, worked up? He will quiet you with what? His, with his love. The verse doesn't end there. He will exalt over you with what? Loud singing. So when God thinks about you, he breaks out into song. Do you believe that? Some of you have a real hard time capturing that. But that's how God thinks about you. When he thinks of you, he breaks out into song. So God has placed you in his church for his delight. It's all about him. It's not about us. And for his pleasure. Psalm 135, 6, whatever the Lord pleases, he does and he doesn't make mistakes. That means when we question the size or shape or color of our piece of the puzzle, uh, we're really questioning God. When we refuse to interlock our peace with others, we disengage while we're really disobeying God. When we make a commitment to connect with Christ and with his people, he is pleased beyond measure. Number four. No one is superior, but everyone is essential. So now we go on the other side. So he addresses those who feel inferior. Well, now he's got a word to those who feel superior. Verses 19 to 21. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So listen, we're not to demean our gifts, nor are we to despise the gifts That other people have. The human body is an incredible masterpiece. And it's amazing what a body can do when all the parts are working together as they should. Now as you look at your portion of the puzzle. You compare it with those around you. Well you'll quickly discover that your piece looks different than other people's. The shape of your piece and the location of where it fits in God's picture of the church is distinct from everyone else. There's never been anyone like you. And there'll never be anyone like you again. And that's a good thing for some of us. You know, that's one of the reasons I'm against cloning. I wouldn't want another me walking around. (laughs) A sea captain and his chief engineer were constantly arguing about who had the most important job. And they didn't get along. They were always going at it. And because they couldn't agree, they decided to swap places. So the chief engineer went up to the bridge and the captain went into the engine room. A couple hours later, the captain ran up to the deck of the ship covered with oil and soot. He wildly waved a wrench in his hand and he yelled these words Chief, you'll have to come down to the engine room. I can't make her go. To which the chief replied, Of course you can't. I've run her aground. <laughs> So your contribution to the kingdom is unique. Your role is essential. Having said that, we must guard against thinking that we're more special than those around us. Instead of believing our peace is prominent and everyone else's is a poor imitation, we need to get this straight. Everyone is shaped differently. But differently doesn't mean deformed, because we all need each other. God has designed us to be mutually dependent upon each other. Now, the church at Corinth had many issues, pride being right at the top. Verses 22 to 24, Paul reminds them every part of the body is important. On the contrary, he writes, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are actually indispensable. Even those parts of our own bodies, which are unpresentable, are important. What does that refer to? Well, it refers to the body parts we keep covered for the reasons of modesty, which shows how important they are. So in a similar way, the pieces of the puzzle that are never seen, and I wonder, what are those? What are pieces of the body we don't see? Well, I I thought of two areas, like prayer. Like, I don't see the impact your prayers are having, and my guess is you don't see mine, but boy, are prayers important. Or generosity, we don't see what others give, but God uses generosity as an important, important contribution to the body. Listen, you will never care for Christians or non-Christians, for that matter, if you believe that you're somehow more special, more important, or better than they are. God has placed you to live out your purpose in this place for his pleasure. Number five, each piece is interconnected, not independent. Look at the last part of verse 24. We see the principle of interconnectedness. Your puzzle piece is designed to lock together with those around you in order to form what God has designed for the church. It's God's desire for each member to intermingle and inter Lock, verse twenty four, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. The word "composed" in the King James reads "half tempered together." It means mixing, commingling, coalescing of two elements so that they become one compound. Well, We see that in Genesis two twenty four, where God says, "The two shall become one flesh." I heard about a poor family that couldn't afford a Christmas tree, so they waited until late on Christmas Eve. They were at a tree lot. They found a tree that looked okay on one side, but was really bare on the other. Then they picked up another one that was full in the front and scraggly in the back. They nervously offered $3 to the salesman, hoping he would take the money, and he accepted because nobody else wanted the trees. Well, later that night, the salesman was walking down the street. He saw a beautiful tree in the couple's apartment. It was thick. It was well-rounded. So he knocked on their door, asked them how they got such a beautiful tree, and the husband showed how they had worked the the trees close together where the branches were thin. They tied their trunks together. The branches overlap and they formed a tree so thick you could no longer see that there were two brothers and sisters when you and I are put together just right. A stunning makeover takes place. God loves to take us with our weaknesses and tie us together with other scraggly people in order to make the beautiful body of Christ.
0: One of the saddest things Pastor Brian hears when he's out in the community is when someone says, I'm a Christian, but I, I don't really go to church. Eric Davis writes, Churchless Christians, flockless sheep, bodiless body parts, first century Christians would not have had a category for such a thing. Are you connected to a gospel preaching church? Do you gather with God's people on a regular basis? If not, would you make a commitment right now to find a church and gather for worship every weekend? Thanks for joining us for On Mission. If you'd like to hear more sermons like this one or want to learn more about the ministry of Edgewood, go to edgewoodbaptist.net or download our free mobile app on the Apple App Store or Google Play by searching for Edgewood QC. We'd love to have you as a guest at one of our three weekend services, Saturday at 5, or Sunday at 9 or 1045. My name is Matt Williams, and I'm a member of Edgewood. Ethan Curry, also an Edgewood member, is serving as the producer of this program. We look forward to connecting with you again next weekend as we learn more about how to live on mission. Until then, go deep in God's Word and keep applying it to your world. On Mission is furnished by Edgewood Baptist in Rock Island, Illinois.